Hi, and welcome to the Council of Fathers podcast, where we explore the wild journey we call fatherhood. I'm Noah. This is Dave. And welcome. How's it going, Noah? It's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I had a good, long, uh, sort of intensive weekend. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. You, were, you were on a men's group retreat? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was wonderful and deep and connecting and expansive hmm. and part of it was where we where we were we were on some land in Buena Vista as the locals call it mm-hmm. and uh, it was beautiful beautiful right on the river mm. and the company was spectacular and yeah it was just really nice played a lot of music talked about important and undervalued and concepts ideas thoughts feelings that you know don't get talked about enough Mm. so i'm still i'm noticing as we're talking that i'm still sort of like coming back from it Mm. it was a big journey big trip a lot of driving too, like a lot of hours on the road and then transitioning back to my family you know is wonderful and challenging both yeah yeah i was standing in the in the kitchen last night you know everyone was so excited to be reunited and there's a moment where everyone was talking at the same time <laughs> and i was just so overstimulated and overwhelmed um and it was just like a little bit of a uh reintegration shock you know yeah and then today was sort of back to back to business as usual and i'm noticing i'm a little tired from all that hmm i like the i mean it that word reintegration and integration and just the idea that we have sometimes big experiences that you know are kind of outside of the norm of our life and then we come back into the norm of our life and there's this sort of question and process of like how do we how do we connect those two things how do we make it so that that experience that event that journey isn't just a blip in the past but that we get to carry the meaningful and and beneficial threads from it into into like the rest of life yeah and i feel like that actually dovetails quite nicely with our our theme for today what's our theme for today so what we were gonna i've been uh i've been really thinking about this that quote you sent me the it's a carl Jung quote Mm. until you make the unconscious conscious it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Whoa. Well, you sent it to me. So, I know. Yeah. I know. And, uh, and it, you know, I think it, it flows thematically from our last episode and ties into a bunch of other things. But yeah, just 
the un- making the unconscious conscious and and recognizing that the unconscious is pulling all sorts of strings it's like you know almost like the horse rider like you know pulling on the reins um in ways that you know we don't realize and so that journey of like seeing those things and then getting to use the energy that's pulling us in every which way consciously like it's a kind of a powerful process and it's a, it is a different type of integration. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know why we don't learn about this in kindergarten, <laughs> you know, this idea of the conscious mind and, and the unconscious or just like unseen forces in our, in our mind, you know, that, that impact us. There's this way in which, you know, by the time, dads get to us in council of fathers there's this heroic effort to will oneself into being a better person it's like mm. why do i keep snapping i don't want to snap it makes no sense what why do i do that you know this sort of like interpreting and analyzing and judging ourselves for not acting rationally Mm. when the truth is you know very small percentage of our minds operate rationally Mm -hmm. you know there's such a large vast ocean of unconscious meaning uh processes functions goings on in the mind that we are not aware of, right? The unconscious means that which we are not aware of. Mm-hmm. And Jung's quote, I think, was an invitation to rather than, you know, I, I shared this metaphor with you that metaphor imagery with you that I, I love the, the iceberg visual you know it's on my website that you know the little tip of the iceberg is above the ocean but the vast majority of what's happening is underneath the surface and i love that but i started thinking about it in my own life as more like a volcano (laughs) you know rather than a iceberg because there are these bubbles that bubble up to the surface without my conscious participation they just surface you know it could be a a a deep fear you know anger sometimes bubbles up you know and the and the thought of trying to control that Mm. controlling the lava and gases in a volcano Mm. is sort of absurd Mm -hmm. right and that you know why would we think that all of this activity in the mind is under our conscious control Mm. You know, I'm I'm seemingly everything's going swimmingly in the kitchen, and then all of the sudden, mm-hmm. I am possessed by something that wasn't there a moment ago. You know, it could be fear, could be anger, could be you know a fractured off part of me from the past that takes over, and I'm like, what the heck was that? And the attitude of like. 
I need to not let that happen anymore. That's not acceptable. You know, is, I don't know, it's played out. <laughs> well, and what you're actually, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because I think we get a little bit confused. Tie the, the emotions with the actions yeah. so closely that like, we think that in order to control our actions, we have to control the emotions. And and I think there's the kind of f- flaw. There's the rub. And, it, and, it, and it's like, if I can let myself feel angry, I, I, m- maybe it's easier to avoid yelling or doing whatever other behavior that anger is going to compel me to do. Or maybe even if, if the anger needs to come out in a yell, you know, can I bring that yell into a different room, you know, into the car, into what, you know, and so, yeah. And so I think it can be helpful to rem- remember that we're, the emotions are okay to feel. The, the emotions, it's like, even though they're powerful and intense and, you know, going back to the whole kindergarten thing, we're not taught how to let ourselves feel that way. And, and it's only the actions that need to be channeled, right, in, in, in a way that is as harmless as possible, uh, given our capacities. And this is something I hear myself saying to my kids a lot lately is like, you can feel angry or you can feel sad or you can feel upset, but you can't do X, Y, or Z right you know and you know i get it you know you feel angry but you you know you can't hit so and so or take the ball or whatever it is when i was little i i want to try and put some sort of age to it maybe maybe five or six i was i was out on the front porch of my my house and it was pouring rain and I was swinging a wiffle ball bat I was like you know hitting the raindrops with Mm -hmm. wiffle ball bat Noah it was like the funnest most magical enjoyable thing ever Mm -hmm. and there was a adult at the house a parent of a friend who came flying out and yelled at me. And I was like, and so here's the thing. She was yelling at the behavior, which was getting soaked and cold. And, you know, she was, but what, but I paired it with, the emotion which was excitement and joy yeah. right and so those things got were were wired were paired mm. in my mind at that moment right don't don't feel too much joy don't feel too much excitement mm. that wasn't the intended message sure the intended message was don't <laughs> don't swing a wiffle ball bat in the rain but my even that message is arguably questionable yeah. yeah 
but I think that's sort of how, you know, how it happens. We get, you know, or, or like, yeah, my kids get really angry and hit the other and I punish them, you know, or whatever discipline or yell, or I somehow address the behavior and the messages don't feel angry. Mm-hmm. It's not the intended message, mm-hmm. but it's the received message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really appreciate, I really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, and I mean, that's, that's really profound insight in terms of being able, like tracking back into that memory and seeing all of that and I'm noticing I'm noticing that I feel a little like heady right now mm. and so before we continue diving into this like territory of the unconscious which Jung used to call the shadow if we can take just one minute with, with our audience to just like remember that we have bodies and kind of like wiggle our way into, into our bodies and into our physical selves. Noticing I feel warm. Oh, I think I feel a little nervous. It's actually, no, it's excitement. And so there's a little bit of a buzz. And yeah, I'm just feeling my weight on the couch. And hopefully as people are listening to this, they're kind of like, oh yeah, whew. I had my air my AirPods in my head or whatever. I was like listening up in my head and like maybe maybe this conversation can be a a more embodied full full bodied experience full yeah thanks yeah that's i think that's sort of where we can find the discernment hmm. we can locate that the feeling and the behavior mm-hmm. are are entangled mm-hmm. and we can start to get familiar with the body sensations, the inner experience of emotions as a way to start to detangle them a bit. Mm. I didn't even make that connection, but I love it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And you mentioned you know, you mentioned Jung's term shadow, which is about, you know, when, when we're kids and an adult disapproves of something, if it's the right adult or the wrong adult, depending on your view, but you know, as kids, we can make an unconscious decision to tuck that away, to repress it. Right mm-hmm. to say that's what I just did is and by default what I just felt is not okay so I'm gonna not feel that anymore 
mm-hmm. unconscious decision, mm-hmm. right? It's you were kids, we don't know we're making it. And then as adults, we, we can start to become aware that there's something lurking in the basement. You know, there's something that's surfacing, um, coming out sideways and, and often coming out as what we blame others for. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, one of the like beautiful and challenging things about parenting is the thing that I was, was programmed to believe is wrong and not okay and unacceptable when I see my own child doing that same thing unless I've worked through that I'm going to immediately get angry or scared or worried that like oh they're doing this thing it's not okay because it wasn't okay for me and you know yeah and that is right also part of this shadow stuff that like it's essentially projecting this thing that i'm not allowed to exhibit or embody or or feel or you know onto our child and, and make the same judgment about them and it you know of course doesn't just happen with kids it happens with other humans as well but yeah and it happens in in relationship quite about quite mm-hmm. a bit in romantic partnerships mm-hmm. that you know i always say like we we hire our spouses <laughs> to help us discover our shadow mm-hmm. right like exactly what we talked about in the last episode yeah um, yeah yeah that's a beautiful that was a beautiful telling articulation of you becoming aware of a projection which was likely shadow material, something that you were not allowing yourself to be a part of your personality. At some level, it was like, this is unacceptable Mm -hmm. for Noah, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the move that is protective is to say is to project that same thing onto our partner Mm -hmm. and as a adult who's dedicated to becoming aware of your own shadow you said oh Mm -hmm. wait a minute that's not about rach that's about me right yeah and you followed it to you know maybe maybe it's origin or, or somewhere right. in the ballpark yeah but you you got curious about uh, what aspect of yourself had been cut off yeah when well, i think you know as we talk about this it's like there's this question like why why bother right like this stuff seems this is uncomfortable and not easy and assuming we're going to need some support in this process it could be expensive and time consuming like okay so so what so i you know sometimes i yell at my kids sometimes i get in a fight with my partner like 
so what? Like this is like, why is it even worth it to go through all of that? Like, what's the point, Dave? Why should I do this? Help me. Because until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct or rule your life and you will call it fate. Mm. So at least according to CG, you are, we are, when we, when we project the shadow onto others, it's incredibly misleading and disempowering mm. because we're going around you know, thinking that it's the external, mm -hmm. the, the external world, our environment that is playing out at, we call it fate, but it's like, yeah, here I am in this marriage and I'm being criticized and judged by my partner and, well, I must've made the wrong decision or, you know, I've got, I got to, I got to get her into therapy so that I, you know, or I got to, you know, win the argument so that, so that I can change her mm -hmm. so that I can feel differently. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, uh, until I become conscious of the fact that I'm projecting my shadow, I'm going to be looking in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's that, you know, that story of Rasputin who's not Rasputin, Nazarudin, who's looking around on the oh, side yeah, of the yeah. road and you know, some some stranger stops and says, Old man, can I can I help you? He says, Yeah, I'm looking for my keys. So the stranger gets down on the ground with him and they're looking in the dirt for the keys. And finally this after a while the stranger says, Are you sure you've lost your keys out here? And Nazarudin says, No, I lost him in the house. The stranger says, why are we looking out here? He says, because there's more light out here. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're looking outside uh -huh. of ourselves. We're looking at the people in our lives. And why? Why look within instead? Because that's where it's located. <laughs> because mm. if we want to feel better mm -hmm. or fuller or more fulfilled or more empowered or more whole the the process of projecting the shadow is a process of disowning part of ourself mm -hmm. splintering off part of ourself and we are living we're wasting energy or yeah. we're diverting important energy yeah. it takes a lot of energy to stay unconscious of right of something you know to keep protecting ourselves to keep defending against it and it's not until we can turn towards it and relate to it that a it has less power over us mm -hmm. and b it gives us tremendous energy it frees up energy that yeah. we were using to keep it at bay yeah that was a beautiful articulation of, of yeah why why bother I, th I really appreciate that I actually you know it reminds me of this last week I, I was in my men's group and I was sharing and I can't remember exactly 
when or why or how I came to this decision, but like whenever something's not working in my marriage, I'm gonna see what I, what what I can change. Doesn't mean I don't sometimes go down the thing of like complaining or you know even blaming or you know, but like ultimately it's like, okay, what what do I need to be doing differently here? And and I've I've found again and again and again and again and again and again that one more time again there's there's always something that i can do in me to change the dynamic between us and 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 sometimes it's you know the example i was sharing was like i was feeling i wasn't feeling like i was getting as much affection mm. as i wanted right and so it's like you could think well, I can't, like, what can I do to get more affection, right? Because I'm asking, I'm wanting something more to come to me from my partner. And can you guess what I started to do? Tell me. I started to be more affectionate. Mm. I started offering more, like, expression of my affection for Rachel and, and, like, over the course of a few days, like I, like there was just more warmth between us Mm. and it was almost like the affection that I wasn't feeling was like, I wasn't, I wasn't giving the, you know, sort of like this whole, it's like a cycle, you know, like the water cycle or the carbon cycle or it just, yeah. And so, so just always kind of always looking for how can I take responsibility for whatever it is that is my part of this situation and and it is empowering and it and it is it it does though require like a shift out of you know we don't have to go so far as saying victim mentality but out of the mentality that like this is out of my control you know it's like well what is in control here what is in my control well i am my mindset my frame my my framework my yeah 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 principle number one Right. Start with the man in the mirror. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's that's sort of why there's more leverage. There's more and and more efficacy. <laughs> you know, it's more effective. Yeah. I I had this dream a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And in the dream I was sort of well, I was I was slaying some zombies i was like Hmm. slicing stabbing um i was really holding my own for a bit and then it got overwhelming you know and so i hid and at the end of this train of zombies coming in they were you know zombies aren't that bright so they were sort of walking right past me and but the last entity in the line was darth vader he looked right at me i mean i'm hiding behind something but he looked right at me he could Mm. sense me Mm. with his vader sense 
and and so I was caught, you know. And thankfully, I had this miniature Millennium Falcon that I found. Of course. Yeah. And it led me as I care. I ran with it and I escaped my shadow, right? Mm-hmm. This this shadow figure. Darth mm-hmm. Vader is the is is such a um such a iconic image of the shadow, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's dressed in all black, he's uh masked. Yeah. He he looks like a walking shadow, right? Mm. So I started really thinking about this image and you know what is this part of me what is this what is the darth vader within if you will mm-hmm. and yeah really this way in which i can be very cold and calculated and it, it's it's the the evil within that you know i, I wasn't about to have be a part of me mm-hmm. you know that's that's not a good thing to embody right so push that aspect of myself down make it unconscious and yet it's a very powerful figure yeah and there's goodness too right like remember the end when luke takes the mask off there's this sweet you know caring loving father Mm -hmm. in there right Mm -hmm. and so this this aspect of me comes out when i'm triggered sometimes i get like (laughs) you know my my one of my kids will hit the other or something like that you know they get and i am flooded and and i'm like go to your room you know it's like (laughs) yeah it like takes me over and yeah and so i've just been playing with that and you know how do i really take from that the the power which is something like rage right Mm -hmm. like darth vader was angry dude let's face it you know he was pissed off at the world and he channeled that rage in some behaviors that are questionable at best Mm -hmm. you know he was not not nice all the time you know (laughs) to say the least yeah pinching people's necks and you know killing them and stuff but how, yeah, so how to sort of mine for the anger, the power within the anger as distinct from the evil sort of behavior, hmm. you know? Yeah, well, and I mean, I think what I kind of hear you saying or am extrapolating from what you're saying, right? the anger is powerful and the the sort of calculating direct quality 
that Darth Vader in this case embodies is is a really like powerful quality. Yeah, useful. Useful. Right. Well, and that's that's the thing is that but the ways that those powerful emotions and powerful uh, qualities are being expressed are distorted and they're they're are distorted because they've been relegated right to the dungeons right they're unconscious they're they're unconscious right they're not they're not in it's like you know they don't have the prefrontal cortex to help them move through the world in like right. productive ways right. and right. in meaningful ways and uh think that like that's that's like the the beauty of it all right it's like yeah. there it the the potent energy and even the qualities qualities that that energy is embodying are not inherently wrong or bad or evil but they get expressed in these distorted or you know twisted ways because they're so constricted by these this counter this force that says like you're not allowed to be here yeah you know yeah yeah i i i told you i went to Buena Vista mm-hmm. this weekend and I drove by the prison there mm. and I've I've spent some time in that prison N- not not as an inmate but as I've, I've done some work there with correctional officers and yeah there is there is something about the repression mm-hmm. alone that leads to behaviors that are dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that repression is wrong. You know, it's it's not that the shadow's wrong. We we have to do this. We have to we have to splinter off parts of ourselves in order to fit into society. It's necessary. Under the current model of existence. And every other model that's existed, existed. in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that it, it it's not that there's something wrong with this process of creating shadows. It's that it, it until we make the unconscious catch. It, it's that it seeps out. Mhm. And So wait, I'm trying to remember my train of thought with the prison. You know, I'm I'm not saying that the people in there, you know, don't engage in behaviors that are consciously that are conscious and problematic. They do. So do I sometimes. But in addition to that, if you put a bunch of people in a prison, there's something about the container mm-hmm. the pushing down the mm-hmm. severing off that adds that creates new 
problematic behaviors. I mean, mm. what happens in prisons, people do things in prisons that they don't do outside of prisons, right? Mm-hmm. There's something in the repression that is problematic. Yeah, the constraint. Yeah, makes makes for, you know, this, yeah, it makes for reactions. It, it creates uh, a a reaction to the action right yeah 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 so so because i want to wrap things up because for our listeners and for ourselves as we have places to be and go and i'm sure they do too yeah i think one big takeaway here right there are unconscious forces that are driving our behaviors and some of those behaviors that are being driven by these unconscious forces are likely problematic or harmful um, or, you know, just not taking us exactly where we want to be going in terms of connection, in terms of, you know, who knows, our careers, our lives. And so engaging in, in some processes to to make the unconscious conscious. And you gave this example of dream work. Last week, or last episode, I gave this example of like a, a, a interpersonal coaching, acupuncture experience, therapies, an example, journaling probably can help bring things that are unconscious into our conscious mind. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of ways to do this. That has a sort of that liberates energy that empowers us and gives us more freedom essentially to make decisions about how we use the energy that's there more consciously that's kind of one thing another thing i think that's worth like repeating and summarizing is that like we have these powerful emotions that we've coupled with actions and if if we can work on allowing ourselves to feel the emotions you know, and finding ways to decouple them from behaviors that can be its own liberating experience. Like, oh, I can feel anger without yelling at my children, or I can feel anger and then go to my room and yell at, you know, at the wall or the pillow or whatever it is, or, you know, and uh, so that those are a couple of takeaways. What what are some, some things that I'm, I'm missing here, Dave? One one key is the parallel process with our kids. Like, how do we how do we deal with that knowledge? Right, we're talking about the fact that we as adults are trying to make conscious things that were splintered off when we were kids. Right, so the natural question becomes: as parents, how do we use that knowledge to parent? Mm. How do we help our kids? You know, they're, they're inevitably going to create shadow material by splintering off aspects of themselves. But, you know, how can we facilitate sort of the healthiest process possible, right? So, you know, one way is sort of what you're talking about is by, as adults, we're, you know, I always said, don't parent angry, like Hmm. separating anger from discipline, for example, is, 
helpful in that it avoids sort of shaming, you know, and and kids pairing their emotions with their behaviors. It helps to differentiate those two, right? Mm. Like you were saying, like you can feel angry, you can't hit, mm-hmm. you know, like those strategies of supporting kids to feel and doing our best to not, you know, not create an environment where shame thrives, you know. And we've talked a lot about those sort of strategies. Yeah, coming down to like, yeah, like repairing and processing and, you know, helping our kids name their emotions and helping our kids when they flip their lids and and modeling how we deal with emotions and triggers. And then I guess doing our best to like love all aspects of our kids, Hmm. like challenging ourselves to when we feel ourselves judging our kids, like get curious about that. Not just because there might be something, some shadow material that's getting triggered in us, but also because we have the intention to accept as much of our kids beings as possible you know let them let them explore let them dress up let them be kids mm. you know which mm-hmm. is easier said than done totally it's, it's like you said there's often this impulse that comes also from what we learned right like right. I wasn't allowed to do that, so I can't let my kid do that. Getting curious about that. What if I did let my kid, you know, try that on? What would that look like? Uh What would that encourage? Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for that. That addition seems vital, right? Like, how does, uh, what can we do to reduce the amount that our children splinter off into shadow seems like a a, a real gift for them yeah and inevitably you know there's opportunities for that outside of parenting too sure it happens in school it happens with peers and how do we support them in that Mm -hmm. too like Mm -hmm. it's this constant attention to the authentic self and despite all odds and despite all the challenges to being authentic mm. in school with peers, mm-hmm. you know, how do we keep an open channel with them, open communication so they can keep doing their job, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I'm hearing or what's coming up for me right now as we kind of try to bring things to a close is this piece around belonging just from what you said because i think it applies to us as adults you know in terms of what we can provide for our children and um you know how much can we share of our authentic selves with our partners you know what is the level of safety that we've created 
for for them and they for us in terms of being able to express and share parts of ourselves that like we might have shame around or guilt around or you know what about our friends like do we have intimate friendships outside of our partnership that offer a space where we're like unconditionally accepted for who we are where we can share this stuff that you know i think that i think those spaces are are very rare these days for adults in our culture in our world both in terms of the inner the partnership and in terms of friends even siblings right like and so yeah i mean i don't i don't you know there's a solution there but like just just seeking that out like being mindful that taking risks i think is like a big thing of like huh what happens between me and this person if i like actually open up a little bit more how do they respond and like oh they responded that way huh like maybe maybe i shouldn't be spending so much time with them maybe i should find somebody who's going to be a little bit more open or accepting or curious and the flip side to that please so i love i love that is like how do we create relationships that are really supportive of who we truly are mm-hmm. and if you want to know what your shadow looks like find someone you don't like and you don't feel accepted by and you feel judged by totally and and so the point being like that's where the that's in addition to dream work in addition to therapy in addition to acupuncture in addition to all these technologies we've been talking about Mm -hmm. relationship is gold in terms of becoming aware of the shadow right Mm -hmm. like yeah my wife is like the greatest person i know i love her she's incredible she lights up the room she is brilliant and beautiful in every way and nobody triggers me like her (laughs) well and i was gonna say you don't have to like seek out (laughs) people that trigger you 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 know that they're they're close to home yeah usually they're yeah but the the value in one of the, I mean, I've said this before, but like one of the biggest, in my mind, one of the functions of a long-term relationship is that it's one of the best ways to grow yourself, to, to make the unconscious conscious because there's nothing like a partner to, and kids to bring up projections Mm -hmm. like we were talking about like wow i'm judging my kid right now that means there's something within me that is not yet conscious Mm -hmm. and i really want to get there thank you so much sweetheart for bringing that up for me i'm just gonna end on this note it's sort of i don't know it might be a little too biblical for certain people but i had this sort of thought like there's that that phrase in the I don't remember I was driving my kids somewhere and I don't know I don't even remember how this came up to my head but you know there's that 
love thy neighbor like thyself, mm-hmm. right? And it's sort of spoken of as like a commandment or a, you know, this is what you should do, right? But it's actually, I think, a statement of fact. Mm. You will only love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Yes. Meaning that if you have judgment and or, you know, anything negative that you're sending towards your neighbor, that means that that's, you're, you're also have, you're not loving that part that is that's part right. of you. And, that's and right. You. You're holding um, a hot piece of coal to throw. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes vice versa, right? Like you want to be compassionate with your kids. Right. You best be compassionate with yourself. Amen. You want to be compassionate with yourself? Practice on your kids, right? Mm. Like it's, it's yeah. bi-directional, yeah. you know, but I love that. Yes, I agree. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys, everyone out there who's listening. If you enjoyed this, please feel free to let us know, leave a review on the podcast app you have so that more people can find it, share it with a friend or a uncle or a brother or somebody or your wife, partner, somebody, and feel free to reach out to us. You can always email us at connect at counciloffathers.com or Instagram, Council of Fathers. We love, we love hearing from you and we'd love to know what else you want on the show. Hope you guys have a beautiful day or night or morning or wherever you are listening to this. Hope it makes some sort of difference and maybe you'll have some interesting dreams tonight. You can play around with those. Be well, y'all. Thanks.